דף סמ"פז עמ"פז, I'm being a man, רוצה אישה בקו התפלות. We know that a woman has certain rights as, uh, and a man has certain obligations in a marriage and the primary responsibilities that a man has towards his wife in marriage are included in the Pasuk in Mishpatim, which we've learned recently before, that if, if, she, if she, he takes a second wife, we're talking about a, a man who marries a slave girl, but we learn the same principle in all cases of marriage. He may not deprive her or diminish her Her rights to Sha'er, which means uh, food, Kata, which means clothing, and Onata, which means intimacy in the, uh, in the conjugal rights, as Rashi explains. Uh, this particular halacha is dealt with in the Mishnah on yesterday's Daf and Daf Samachalaf on Mudbeis, uh, where if a man were to take a neder, were to make an oath, uh, swearing that he would not give his wife conjugal rights, then the, the, she's entitled to a divorce. The marriage is not tenable on that basis because one of the primary principles of the marriage is uh, that he takes care of her, that he protects her, and that, and that they are intimate together. The Mishnah goes on to discuss, quite interestingly and quite difficult to understand in a, in a way, the frequency with which she is entitled to those conjugal rights. Uh, and the Mishnah deals with it in a very practical way. It just depends whether this is a person who travels a lot for business, then it'll be less frequently. A person whose work requires a lot of effort and is very tired, it'll be less frequently. Uh, somebody who sits at home and, and uh, works, works from home and doesn't really exert himself uh, physically very much, uh, that could be much more frequently even, uh, even every day. And so there are these different these different frequencies and again that's not to say that 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 the couple's intimate life is meant to be regulated by clockwork not at all it's merely to give people a sense of what is normal of what is accepted uh, of of what is unreasonable uh, for for a woman's expectations are unreasonable what is reasonable that's really what this Gemara is about what is reasonable what is unreasonable and um and The Gemara then goes on to, in Daf Samach Beis, Amud Beis, Rabbi Barav Hanan asks Abaya, we had Abaya yesterday, so that's the, the same Abaya, an interesting question. If when they got married, the man was a Hamar, he used to, his trade required him to travel by donkey, which means he didn't go too far. He would go to the surrounding towns and villages. He would certainly be home once a week. And therefore, the expectation of the wife is that they're intimate once a week. But he wants to change professions. And he's got an opportunity to go into a business that requires him to be a Gamal, to be a person who uses a camel for transport. So obviously, he's going to be going much further away. And he's going to be away from home longer. Um, is he entitled to do that? Uh, Rashi explains, If he got married when he was a, a donkey driver and he's going to now want to become a camel driver, um, without asking her permission, do we say he doesn't need her permission because he's going to be bringing in more money? He's, he's got a, a promotion. This is a better job. Or do we say no, but she's entitled to intimacy and that's more important to her? And Abaya answers, again, with, with a difficult uh, principle and, and, will, and will explain it, because it seems like so stereotypical, so generalizing. Abaya says, uh, A woman prefers a much lower standard of living with close intimacy with her, her husband rather than 10 times the amount of wealth 
but not having a, a, a good physical relationship with her husband. And the um, the word here used is, is tiflut, which is interesting for, for intimacy, is tiflut. Uh, and Rashi says that means lihiyot ba'ala ima. And it doesn't necessarily mean sexual activity. It means lihiyot ba'ala ima, to have her husband by her side. Uh, and, and why is it called tiflut? Because tiflut means... It's kind of a negative word. Tiflut, we say that a person who forces his daughter to learn to arrive, that's not what she wants to be doing. He's teaching her like foolish things. It's not a positive word, this Tiflut. And I came across a reference to a document that was found in the Cairo Geniza, where the author of the document, who was a Rishon, lived in the time of the Rishon, and references a tshuva of the Rimigash, which we don't have. Rimi Gashi, remember, was the Rebbe of the Rambam's father, uh, and therefore the conveyor of the Rif's Torah to the Rambam, because the Rimi Gash was also the great Talmud of the Rif. And in this torn document, there's a reference to the, the Rimi Gash asking that very question, why the use of the word Tiflutia? Why is this intimacy, which is a mitzvah, we're talking about a husband and wife being together, why is the word Tiflut used? And unfortunately, the, the a manuscript is then torn and you can't read what uh, the Rimigash's answer was. Um, but I think that, that there's something interesting in that word because Tiflut doesn't mean foolishness. I think that's a mistranslation um, in both here and in the case of teaching a or compelling a, a girl to learn Torah. Tiflut means playfulness. It's, it's, it's light, lightness, a lightness of being. And Torah is not a lightness of being, and the, and the danger is if, if women learn Torah by, by force, and that's what, what becomes, and we see this happening even today uh, in many of the Dafyomi circles, not only of women, but people who are not uh, versed in the background of Torah and don't understand the seriousness and the complexity of Torah, uh, they do sometimes make light of it, and that's Tiflut, making light of something. But in the, ca- in the case of Torah, that's negative, but in the case of a husband-wife relationship, that's extremely positive. There should be lightness, lightness and playfulness between husband and wife. And a woman would rather have the playfulness and companionship of her husband and living on a lower standard than have him never at home and living on a, on a higher standard. Um, Tosfot points out that on the, the beginning of the previous Amud, on Samach Beis and Aleph, we did have a case where a woman was willing to trade um, the, the frequency of companionship with her husband for living in the palace. If his job required that they have quarters in the king's palace, that she's, she's able to do. And that's possibly because it's not just a matter of, of physical deprivation. It's also a matter of status. A woman whose husband is always away. She's on her own. And she's living in a society of families, of um, women who are married and, and men who are married. Uh, and she's this living widow. It's it's a very embarrassing, it's a lowly situation or can be a lowly situation in which to be. Uh, if she's living in the king's palace, then at least from a status perspective, she's taken care of and it's not as bad. So Tosfa says, it's possible that Avodat HaMelech, if he has a job with the king, that's uh, it's not just a ma- that there's more wealth available, but her whole status is uplifted. Uh, and that's part of what she wants in her relationship with her husband, that she's part of something bigger, of a bigger life, of a family, of a husband who's doing something important or is doing well. Uh, that's, that is important to her. Tomorrow when we learn about Rabbi Akiva and his, his wife Rachel, we'll, we'll see different elements of that same idea. 
What I do want to talk about is is this stereotype. Um, really, does every woman want intimacy, frequent intimacy, rather than occasional intimacy, uh, even if the occasional intimacy brings with it greater wealth? Uh, isn't that a bit of a, a stereotype? Is that true? What does that mean? And it's interesting that very often when Chazal says something like this, what Chazal is saying, this is the definition of a, a, an ideal Isha. That doesn't mean that every woman is like that or that a woman has to be like that or there's something wrong with a woman who isn't like that. But an Isha, in a marriage, if a woman would trade intimacy for wealth, that's not an Isha, that's not a wife. There's something wrong with the relationship. There's something wrong with the, the, the Ishut. There's something wrong with their connection. There's something wrong with, with who they are. And it's important when we often talk about things like this. So, for example, here in Ishad, we're talking about what the woman wants, and she would rather have her husband with her. That places an enormous responsibility on the husband. You, the husband, has to be the kind of person who a woman would rather be with than have wealth. A woman who would, who would rather have you at home with her constantly, all the time, than only occasionally, but live in great wealth and comfort. That's the kind of man we have to be in order that a woman should be that. So the Chazal is saying here something much deeper than just the question of, of can he be a Hamar, can he move from being a Hamar to a Gamal, can he take the promotion or not, if it involves more travel. Yes, that's some techni technical halakhic outcomes of this, but there's something more important happening here in terms of understanding what it is to be a husband. A husband has to be a man with whom a woman would rather be in poverty than have him travel all the time and, and live in wealth. That's what, that's what there needs to be, a woman who misses him when he goes away, when he has to travel, uh, and who looks forward to him coming back. If she doesn't, if that's not the case, then there's a problem, that there's a, there's a flaw in the ishut, and this is a relationship and a marriage uh, that needs to be worked on. Uh, and so once again, in this Chazal, we find something so precious and so valuable in understanding not only what a woman expects from a marriage, but what a marriage expects from both a man and a woman.